a good man is a man that's capable of extreme violence and chooses to be kind. But let's call a spade a spade. I will wear your skin. I will destroy everything about your life. I'm talking scorched earth, permanent destruction of everything you love. If you come at me or towards mine, but inversely, my kids will never understand the level of violence I'm capable of to be as kind and as gentle as I am. That's a quote from MMA fighter Tim Kennedy. And I would not have understood that so intensely had I not gone through the things I have. So I embrace my faults and poor decisions because they allow me the clarity to understand the lengths I will go to protect my family and the people I love while equally and evenly protecting my peace. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method. You must think that I'm stupid. You must think that I'm a fool. You must think that I'm new to this. But I have seen this all before. It's rainy today. It's a strangely warm where it's all gray, skies are gray, the whole layout of the land is gray. You know, the clouds look like, uh, you know, when you put your hand in moving water, maybe on a boat or for that matter, even in a sink, but, but the way that the water moves as your fingers run through it, it looks like somebody's above the clouds doing that. And the ground is wet and it's raining just off and on and I had the opportunity today to get out of the house just by myself. You know, no kids, no wife. Doesn't happen very often. But it's in these times where I wind up finding myself reflecting on most every story that we've talked about already. And ones we haven't. It's the sound, right? It's warm enough. It's like 60 today. And it's it's warm enough that you can have the windows down, but it's it's too wet that you don't have them all the way down. So you have them just cracked. And it's that sound of the water spraying from under the tires that immediately puts me back in many of these stories. And I find that the different versions of me sort of take it their own seat in the car. And we reflect and we reflect on good times and bad times. And, you know, it's almost like a, like a group meeting, but it's just in my head. And each one of us takes turns having a memory that's tied to this type of weather and the sound of the water under the tires. Because you see, so many of these stories, so many of these crazy behaviors happened in this very same type of physical environment it was always seemed to be wet and rainy now i don't know if that's just where my mind has placed these memories or if it in fact just always seemed to get crazy when it was overcast or cold or rainy or but it always seems to trigger these exact memories and specifically so coming off of our last episode where you know i got into some insanity the situation that happened at my uncle's neighbors and bringing Joe out and the guns and the roaming around the Bay area and to ultimately 
getting dropped off and left to my own devices back in the valley. You know, it was winter-ish time. It was the the cooler months. I don't I don't know exactly what month this happened in, but it was definitely in the cooler of the months in California. And here I am now roaming around the Central Valley, Manteca mainly, but you know, I was making my way back out to Western Ranch and and but I was alone in so many of these stories and so many of these wild rides that I've been on. I always had one solid connection and it was with Cindy. And not only was that gone, but I was just left with like, with shame and anger and the feeling of this betrayal. And, and look guys, I'm, I'm not, I'm not without fault here. I'm not without flaws. I'm not without my own situations that resemble something like what happened in episode 25. But this was dark for me. You know, little Jay at this point in the story is is gone. And for me in that moment, as far as I was concerned, he was dead. Little Jason was dead in my head. And what was left was Jay and Hefe. And like I had said before, this Hefe character was in full fucking control. And that nonviolent part of me became a little more scarce. The things that I was now capable of, the things I realized about myself by calling Joe and having him bring guns and what I was going to do with those guns had he not just gotten me so obliterated that I couldn't think, that began to be the only personality that existed. You know, I would hop from house to house around Manteca, visiting friends, I had even went to go try to see my uncle's ex-wife, my aunt that I grew up with. And, and you know, she had known or cotton word or, or whatever about who I was and what I was. And, and she was like, nah, you can't come here. And, you know, that did not make me for one second reflect on who I was. It was like, well, fuck you. You're my family. Go figure yet somebody else that's dumping on me. But I would go from place to place. And I, I, I look back now and I realized that... What I was doing was I was hunting the people that owed me in my head. Now, it got me thinking back, like when we discussed more when I was running around with Chris and I, you know, things were real good, you know, and I had tons of dope and all the money, you know, and people would, hey, front me. And, you know, I would ask them, like, am I really fronting you or are you about to fuck me off? Like, I really don't care. I'm going to give you the shit anyway. But, but the way I look at it is, I'm going to give you this bag of drugs, and it's what, all it costs me to get rid of a pain in the ass. Just, just tell me, you know. And they're, no, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Or be like, you know what, Jay, if you can just shoot this to me, dude, I'll be on my way. And there were some people that were very honest about it, and I appreciated that. You know what? Those same people, like, hey, man, can I get an eight ball on a front? And when they would admit that, you know what, if they could just party it off, that'd be great. I'd throw more and be like, be gone. But it was those people that were like, nah, Jay, I'm fuck, I'm coming back. I'm gonna, I'm gonna flip this and we're gonna do big things. And they disappeared. Because the reality is, is that they wound up accepting my offer, but once they left, which, you know, it was too late for that shit. And these were the people I started hunting out. Because in my head, you fucking owe me. And I'm in need. There was a guy, Carl. 
Now, Carl kind of came around the same time that I sort of started hanging around and prioritizing business with like Emmett and Paulo and those fucking guys. And Carl had owed me several hundred dollars. I'll be honest with you, today I don't really know the number, but it was enough that it made me do this. I went by his house. Now, remember, Joe left me with a ton of dope. Not a ton, but I mean, fuck, he left me with like an ounce, dude. Who just throws somebody an ounce when they were just trying to kick me? Anyway, so I had a good amount of dope. You know, I, I, I pieced some out of that bag, and I went over to Carl's house. And it just so happened, it like dawned on me. I would just like roam aimlessly and be like, ooh, I recognize that house. That motherfucker owes me money. Let's see what's going on. And yo, Carl, what's going on, bro? Oh, Jay, da, 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 da. you know, there was a little nervousness to his face. But I was like, yo, man, you still getting high? He's like, oh, yeah. I said, cool. Fuck, let's go to the garage. Let's get lit. And so we go into his garage and he's got this rotary engine RX-7. I was like, fucking, what you doing with this, bro? And he's like, oh, man, I just I just need to get it running. And this is where this is where Hefe took over. We started getting high. And I was like, yo, I can get this running. What's the problem? And he kind of started going through, like, the issues that he was experiencing getting it running. And I was like, yo, let's work on it. Fuck it. We're tweaking, right? Let's be tweakers. Let's fucking work on your car. And so a bunch of hours go by. I just keep getting them loaded. He, in fact, had a little bit of his own, so he was kind of putting in, and it was cool. And while I'm working on his car, I start the subject up of, hey, man, remember when you, like, when I shot you all that shit? And, like, what'd you ever do with it? Did you flip it? Like, whatever happened? And he's kind of started going on, like, oh, yo, Jamie, yeah, man, it's, it's all good. I thought about it after the fact. And, and you know, you had said that, you know, if you're going to fuck this off, just don't ever come back. That's why I never came back. And I was like, huh, you know, and I'm sitting there turning a wrench and shit. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not how you left. Like, you forgot to, like, make the deal. You just left and made one on your own. And, like, the vibe got real uncomfortable. And, you know, at this time, I'm I'm kind of taking the lay of the land. Like, his garage was a detached garage. So, it's not like there was somebody from in the house that was going to come disrupt us. And anyway, we kept getting loaded, and I, I kept kind of poking the bear, kind of letting him know how he had fucked up, and that's just not how you do business. You know, it must have been, I don't know, five, six hours, dude. It really wasn't that big of a deal. Like, he needed some wires, and, you know, there were some timing things that needed to get adjusted, and, you know, he had a fouled plug. It looked like he probably had a blown head gasket on it, but that there was no water in the oil, and there was no oil in his in his water, so it, it should fire. So after like, I don't know, it was probably like, honestly, six or eight hours, but you got to remember we were tweaking. So you get on side quests when you're on a good one. All of a sudden you're fucking cleaning the under of a car when you should be fucking checking the oil for water. But after about eight hours, I was like, all right, man, well, check it out. I'm going to need that. You know, let's just say it was 500 bucks. I'm going to need that 500 bucks, dude. He's like, oh, come on, Jay, what, what, what? What's that about? And I was like, nah. And right then, right when I tell him that the car, I turned it over. It took a while because it had been sitting. You know, I don't know if you've ever tried to start in a rotary engine car, but they make a pretty cool noise once they finally fire up. And I swear to God, after, you know, two, three shots of it, a car fires over. And he's like, what? And he's all happy and shit. And it was like he was trying to veer from the conversation. And I said, listen. And I turned the car off. 
and I put his keys in my pocket and I was like, uh, let me get that money real quick and I'm, I'm gonna go. And he was like, yo, man, like fucking what's up with that? Like, this is some bullshit. And I was like, some bullshit. And I fucking jacked him right in the jaw. Motherfucker, what? And fucking started like backing up. He's down kind of like on one knee, sort of with one hand behind his back. And he was like, whoa, whoa. I said, you fucked me, dude. I said, and now you kind of want to get a little attitude in your voice when I'm coming to collect when you know you owe me. He was like, oh, Jay, I thought we were cool. I said, you've, we were, but, but now you, you're, you're thinking wrong. I said, go, go get my money. He's like, Jay, I got that kind of money. I said, fuck, that's terrible, bro. And I popped his garage open because it was like cracked just because we were firing it up. Didn't want the fumes getting in there, all that shit. And so we just had the garage cracked. I finished opening it. And I pop open the back and it was like this guy was like, I mean, it's in his house, but the whole back of this RX-7 is fucking filled with trash. And I just started throwing it out of the car. Said, what the fuck? I said, say something. Go get my money or stay the fucking quiet. He didn't stay quiet. I fucking, I had to jack him again. And usually he goes to reach. So I said, don't, don't reach for shit, bro. Just fucking stay quiet. And now I'm mad. Now Hefe is fucking pissed off. Because see, had he like tried to work something out, had he thrown me any money right then, I'd have been like, all right, bro, I'm gonna come back for the rest. But instead he wanted to like prey on my weakness. Cause I mean, admittedly, like I kind of had a whole conversation about what I had been going through. And it was like he felt the king has fallen. And I look over to the side of the garage and there's there's three boxes. And they're uh they're new bikes that he hasn't put together and they were for his kids for Christmas. And I said, I'm gonna give you one more shot. You, you got any money for him? He's like, nah. And I fucking took those three bikes and I put them in the back of his RX seven and I fucking made him move. Cause he was on the driver's side of the car. When all this went down, I made him move and I got in the car and I rolled down the window, but the window didn't like, it was like stuck. So like, like here I am trying to be fucking cool. Right. And I'm like, fuck, going to roll the window down and say something fucking cool. But instead the window didn't really want to go down. So I had to like help it go down. Like, da, 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 da. And I said, all right, bro. I said, hit me up when you got my money. And he's like trying to reach in. Don't fucking don't do it, bro. And I left that day. I drove off. I took that motherfucker's car. I took his fucking Christmas presents for his kids. And I fucking just strolled around. I went visiting. I had a fucking ride. Now I had somewhere to stay. I was sleeping this motherfucker. I don't give a shit. Man, you guys, that's not who I am. That's who I was that day. Motherfucker should have paid his bills. You should also be real clear on who you think you're crossing. Because, see, the nicest person in the world pushed to their brink is capable of some shit that you would never expect. This dude took two to the jaw, got his car and his Christmas presents took. You know, in my mind, I was like, you don't have money for me, but you got money for new bikes. That doesn't translate right for me. So now I'm rolling around in this dude's fucking car and, and you know, as, as it were for me, no license, no registration, no insurance. I'm just rolling, <laughs> fucking riding as dirty as you get. You know, people would even ask, like, hey, isn't that, isn't that Carl's car? Like, I, I did visit with a few people. Isn't that Carl's car? I'm like, was. And I explained to them, like, what? And I said, yeah. Carl did ultimately wind up hitting me up like, Jay, I got, you know, I got 200. I think he gave me 200, 250 bucks. I said, all right, bro, 
I did give him his fucking shit back. I gave him his fucking present. I was, I'll be honest with you guys. As it was getting closer towards Christmas time, I was going to go leave the bikes at his house, just in the front yard. Like I, I wasn't, it, it was the point. I was proving a point at that moment. I would never keep a child's fucking Christmas gifts. I would never. But in that moment, he was trying to punk me and we ain't fucking doing that. The whole vibe I was putting off in this time was all triggered from what happened at my uncle's house. And the anger, oh, the fucking, the fucking anger. I was, I wish a motherfucker would say something. I was a problem. I was a problem. People knew it. Like they, they would even mention, you know, I would roll by Emmett's house and we'd be in the garage and I'd be getting high and shit. And, and, you know, usually when I was at Emmett's, I'd spend all night telling jokes and making everybody laugh. Like that was my vibe. But now I just sat and I was quiet and I was making phone calls and I was fucking plotting on who the fuck owes me next and telling Emmett, yo, who owes you money? Let's go fucking get it. And he's like, damn, Jay, like you're fucking different. And I said, well, this is what happens when you get in survival mode. But once the anger started to subside, I started like the blaming piece of it. Because, see, here's the thing. I knew that I loved Cindy before we ever spoke. And then we spoke and I confirmed it. It took a few weeks. You know, she had always said, even much later in life, she'd be like, man, I was scared of you when I first saw you. And here's like, I'm not, I'm not a scary guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just not, I'm a lover. She said, I didn't want to talk to you, but then we, we finally spoke. And now I was so bad and timid and and feared rejection so bad like i would never go talk to cindy i made friends with her best friend and then would find my way to go hang out with her best friend that lived right across the street from her so that i could get close to her that's i i played the long game because i didn't have the balls to talk i didn't want it was almost like i didn't want to know that i couldn't have her like i would as long as i could be near her i was all right but i wore her down and i won and it was, you know, it was a couple weeks of us talking before we even kissed. And there was fooling around, but there was no sex. Like, actually hooking up took months. I waited months. You know, at the time, I was led to believe that I was the first. Looking back, it's probably a crock of shit. But I had placed her so high up on a pedestal you know oh i was her first and she's loves me and everybody told me i couldn't have her and here she is and i mean she was like a unicorn where i was from dark-skinned mexican girl tiny waist big boobs hella attitude in her voice like i fucking loved it like she was not like any other girl i had ever been with she was the one thing that kept me going and now now, she hooked up with a dude that she met a couple hours before they actually hooked up. And again, I'm, I'm not saying that I haven't had those same scenarios happen to me. I'm just explaining my experience in this situation. But the wildest thing started happening. And it was like what I would do when a family member hurt my feelings or when a friend would hurt my feelings. I would start figuring out how it was my fault. 
you know, oh, and then and then I would I would good, like run a checklist. Oh, you did this and did this and did this and did this. So you deserve it. But I just loved this girl so much that I even went as far as started being like, oh, well, did he hurt her? You know, what did he make her do? Like, I started like almost excusing it for her because there's no way there's no way like like oh god what did he do to her and fuck nobody wants to know that <laughs> time wore on and more time was between the incident and where i was currently the anger became self-loathing and acceptance and concern for her how much she have felt oh like you know i started empathizing of all fucking things it didn't put me in a good mind space. And I spent weeks, a few of them, two, three, maybe even four weeks, just being fucking homeless and fucking getting high and putting hands on people if I felt the need, which is so out of character for me. Until one day, one day my phone rings and it's Cindy. And I was so excited. And it was almost like relief. And I was... I was like scared to answer the phone. Like, oh God. Because see, here's the thing. In these four weeks since this happened, I have lost my mind. Like I'm just fucking trying to hook up. I am putting hands on people. Like I'm not, I'm not being a good person here. And I'm like, oh God, what did she find out? Like now I'm in trouble somehow. I answer the phone and her voice very softly. Hi. I said, hey. And we got into this conversation, you know, how are you? What's going on? You know, what never came in that conversation was an apology, but we'll get into that much later. But what she started sharing with me is that she's hearing things about me and things that I'm doing. And she's reminding me, this isn't you. And I explained to her why it is me now. And, and she was like, nah, that's not you. She's like, why don't we, why don't we meet up? And I was like, yeah, all right, but you got to come get me. I don't have Carl's car anymore. Because she did happen to share with me that that got back to her. <laughs> I thought I was making a joke. Nobody laughed. But I agreed to meet up with her. You know, she had her car back by this point, And she came and picked me up. And we went out and we talked. And what's crazy is we never talked about what happened. We were just kind of talking about what she's been doing, what I've been doing. We spent the whole day together and she dropped me off. And the next day I get a call and she's like, Hey, why don't you come stay with me? And I was like, stay with you. She's like, yeah, I'm staying with my parents. They said you could come stay. They don't really know anything that's going on. They just thought you and I were kind of going through something. I was like, yeah, no shit. huh?" Her being my safe space. I didn't even hesitate and I had her come get me with what little shit I had and went to her parents and I ate for probably the first time in a while. It was very surreal. You know, this, this break in my personality that happened there, it was almost like I was relearning where I was. It felt familiar yet very unfamiliar because see, here's the thing is the person that I'm there with isn't the person that... I thought she was. And so I was like relearning this chick and, you know, full disclosure, there's a part of me inside that was like, man, how come fucking, I want the hoe version of my girl. Like, you know what I mean? Like I get the girlfriend version. I want the hoe version. But, uh, 
that first night back at her house, it was like bedtime. So we go into her bedroom and, and we start talking and God damn it. If the fucking subject of my uncle's house doesn't come up and I don't, I don't remember if she brought it up or if I brought it up. I really don't know. We may have just been talking shit about Trina. We may have just been talking shit about, I don't know. I don't know what brought it up, but man, if I didn't start asking questions for details, and here's the thing. Listen, guys that are listening to this, you know what questions you would ask a girl that cheated on you. You would know those. And and any ladies that are listening, I don't know. Ask a guy what kind of questions. If you can't imagine what they would be, ask ask any male or your boyfriend or husband or whomever. Ask him the kind of questions that he would ask. And I asked him. When she answered Yes, to all the questions I asked, I I forgot to J and I started hefeing. <laughs> it was the way she said it kind of smug, right? Because we were in a fight. And I'm going to tell you right now, this girl goes for the jugular every time we fight. I don't know if anybody anybody's ever dated a Hispanic girl, but they don't fuck around. It's right to worst case scenario. And when she answered yes, all smug, I fucking, my hands came to her throat so fucking quick. And I didn't squeeze because Jay told Hefe to calm the fuck down because I wanted to pop her head off. And she just looks at me right in the eyes and goes, fucking do it. This bitch is crazy, you guys. She's fucking crazy. I mean, I love it. Don't get me wrong. dude. I love me a crazy bitch, but she's fucking do it. Not fucking head. I mean, all the tension in the world was in my hands and I didn't squeeze. And I said, Oof, what are you doing? Whoa, this is, yo, my grandma would kill me if she fucking saw this. That is the first and only time I've ever put my hands on a woman with anger in my heart. And I did not squeeze, but oh God, I wanted to. Ooh, I wanted to. Well, apparently we were a little louder than we thought because her parents came flying in the room. By that time, my hands were back in my side, but she and I were still face to face. Parents are like, what's going on? Oh, fuck. Here we go, dude. Because I don't know if you've ever dated a Mexican girl because they got Mexican fathers. And I don't know if you know Mexican fathers or if you are one, but most of them aren't fucking straight in the head, man. They some crazy sons of bitches, right? So I'm expecting him to have a gun in his hand already. So he was like, no, nothing. It's fine. We're just arguing. Needless to say the ultimatum was placed on her from her parents. You either have him leave or you leave with him. Like, but this ain't going to continue. I mean, I might've made it 12 hours in there before I was losing my place to stay again. And Cindy agreed. Like, you know what? Yeah, we'll, we'll go. We'll go. Because for some reason, man, I, I don't know, like everything I've ever put this girl through, you guys got to remember like all these stories I'm talking about and all this shit that I'm telling you, she was right there for a lot of it, if not most of it. And she just kept with me, you know, now, mind you, you know, yeah, she fucked around and I've, you know, my, you know, the whole story, but here's the thing, man, don't let yourself get hung up on the physical. I mean, you make your own decisions. Okay. But maybe this is just the damage done speaking, or maybe this is like a little bit of truth, but I don't know, man, being physical with somebody doesn't mean that somebody doesn't love you. God, that sounds like a fucking ridiculous statement, right? But the reality is, is that somebody can believe in you wholeheartedly and fail you every now and then. They can fail you horribly, okay? But anyway, what I'm saying is, 
for some reason, this girl kept sticking with me. It didn't matter what kind of violent piece of shit I was or what kind of addict I was. It didn't matter what rumors she heard about girls. None of that. She stuck by me. And it was because of that that I thought, well, she's forgiven me for a lot. Let me try to forgive her for this. Like, I owe this to her. I mean, I didn't like that decision. I'll be honest with you. I didn't like it. But what kind of fucking asshole would I really be if somebody that's given me fucking chance after chance after chance to be better and I don't provide that same chance? Like, look, we can all get hung up on the circumstances of the situation. And let's be real fucking honest, dude. It wasn't the first and only time that she had done it. It was just the biggest and worst and most upfront and in my face version of it. But equally, I've been doing the same shit. But to me, who the fuck would I be if somebody extended forgiveness to me and I didn't extend it back? Is that applicable here? I don't know. I don't fucking know. So anyway, I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate the hell out of you guys. If you like what you're hearing... If you want to just give me comments, feedback, tell me to shut up. I don't care. I want to hear it all. You know, I mean, haters got to hate, right? But I would appreciate any love and feedback you'd like to give. You can reach me at uh, mymadnessmethod819 at gmail. I've got a website now. Uh, It's the word 8, E-I-G-H-T, 19product.com. Or my madness method on Instagram. Until the next time, my name is Jason Farias, and this is my madness method. Mm-hmm.